time for Wednesday's hour number two on Hashtag Daily K with your host, Peter Bint. dramas, movies and even lyrics. Why is the world paying attention to Korean stories? From classics to modern masterpieces, time to dig deep into the charms of Korean literature. On Check It Out with Paul. Paul Matthews is joining us in the studio today on a Wednesday as ever. How are we doing, sir? I'm all right. Are we meant to be fighting? Is that... Well, Stacey, I think it was a typo now, because oh. now she's sent in another message saying, Hi, Paul Matthews. Happy Chuseok. Please, uh, you and Peter, be nice to each other on the day of the Chuseok weekend. And introducing you guys as the odd couple is what she'd like to do. Okay, does now now to be clear, which one of us is Jack Lemon and which one of us is Walter Matthau? <laughs> I don't know either of those people. I'm apologising. Oh, now Stacey, I don't want to fight with Peter, but the fact that he is not familiar with one of the greatest plays by Neil Simon made into one of the greatest movies starring Jack Lemon and Walter Matthau. Denny is also saying, I have no idea. That's Billy Wilder, do you yeah. know Billy he's Wilder not, is? Like, what? What are you? I don't know what this is. No, he doesn't oh, know either. But Peter, so we're the same. Yeah. The Odd Couple is perfect Chusok viewing. Really? If you want a movie about how to get along or how not to get along with people, oh. it is absolutely brilliant. It's, it's it's, it's about two bachelors living together. Making one, John and one preparing is a, for their in-laws. Well, and... no, no. One of them is a neat freak and the other is a really sort of messy gambler. Oh. And it's about how they learn how to live, live together and how they learn how to become more like each other. All right. It's a really, really good film. Do you think we equate to them? Well, the point is... Would I be the gambler? I mean, I look more desolate. <laughs> So maybe I'm Walter Matto and you're a bit more uptight, so okay. maybe you're Jack Lemon. All right, that sounds good to me. Cushy's on board saying, Happy Chuseok, Happy everyone. I uh, hope you and your families have some great moments in these special times. No fighting! And um, we were talking about Yonhu, which, you know, I translated to long holiday, but I guess, if strictly speaking, you'd have to say it's at least two consecutive days off from work as a public holiday, which sounds a bit wordy. And then I was kind of criticising American companies, because from what I know, they're not as generous with their paid leave. But Hartley says, I work for a private US company that supports the federal government, so we all get the federal holidays, plus we earn about two and a half days of paid leave a month that we can use at will. So it really depends on where you work, Pete. Okay, thank you. I think I think it does, but I just think there aren't necessarily regulations about the number of paid holidays Mm. an employee can get. Whereas in Europe, for example, it's very strict as to the number of holidays you have to be given. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's 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 different horses for different courses. What did you think of when you hear the word Yonhu? I'm just one of the cool kids, so I like doing the Julinmal. You know, when you shrink it all, so I think it means salmon holiday. (laughs) Yano. Huga. Yeah. Salmon holiday. Salmon holiday. What you know, would that involve for a You know salmon what's day? coming up? What? You know what's coming up at the end of October? Halloween. No. No. What the else? Salmon Festival in Yang Yang. Oh, does that happen then? That does. Okay. So Every the, year. Salmon so holiday. They're getting a holiday in advance of that, maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, this, it's not really a holiday for the salmon. They 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 usually end up on the plate. Yeah, that's not so good for them. But what are you doing this Chuseok poll? I'm going to Sejong tomorrow oh. to see the in-laws, to have some pancakes and nice. some soup and some nice family chats. How, how is Sejong? Because it's a new build city. How's it coming along? I haven't it's been coming along years. very well. Yeah. I, we 
spend most of the time in the apartment, I so I haven't really seen a lot of it. But but it seems very nice. It's okay. all very shiny and new and lovely, and it's not too far from Seoul. And... Do you often get stuck in traffic going down there? Around no, because take time. the train. Oh, that's good. Yeah. You booked in advance. You have to book in advance, Peter. Yeah. Because in Korea, when it comes to Chuseok and Solal, if you do not book when the tickets are released, yeah. you're going to be sitting with your phone open and the app open for three <sighs> solid days, just waiting for someone to cancel so you can get a ticket. That is annoying. So you're doing that and anything else? I'm working. Oh, yay. Doing three shows on <gasps> Ketonto on Foundation Day. Oh, that's next Tuesday, right? Yes. Where's that at? I can't say because oh. I would be naming a very big brand department store oh um, wow you're doing it at a department store I if am. i come can you get me a discount on some of the goods like it's not how it works on. and do i have to actually watch the show <laughs> it's already sold kidding. out oh what's it about well I'm t- i can't tell you oh, you can't tell us that is it all it would be promotion now okay. i can't promote you know a big sort of storytelling event at the department store gentleman mr matthews if anyone know. ever says that he's an idiot and really why would Got disgusting behaviour. Don't believe them. Don't Who believe said them. that? I don't know. I don't know. Nobody. Not me. I'm, con- uh, I'm confused. Looking for the elephant. Not looking for you is what this book is about. Are you comparing me to an elephant Not now? at all. Not at all. Wow. Stacey, Stacey I tried to be nice. He tried. tried to be nice. He did. He did try for a little while. <laughs> uh, who's it by? Who's it translated by? What's it about? It's uh, written by Jo Kyung-nan. Uh, the Korean title is And it's translated by Heinz Insu Fenkel. And uh, it's a short story that's available online for free. Nice. So you can read it. A nice little Chuseok gift from me to you. Well, well from the website to you because I didn't <laughs> do it. Um, and we get a, a first-person confession from a woman who feels like there's something or someone living in her room, sleeping beside her bed at night. Oh, is this kind of like a mystery? I'm not going to say. It's a surprise. Okay, it's a nice short story. Looking forward to this. Um, tell us a bit about the author. Have we featured Cho Gyeongran? We haven't. She's been on my radar for a while because there's a novel of hers that's translated into English called Tongue that mm-hmm. I've been meaning to feature, but oh. just not got round to it yet because there's lots of things to feature. Okay. Um, so it is our first time featuring her, and she is brilliant. She was born in Seoul in 1969. She studied at the Seoul Institute of the Arts, and she came to writing a little later in life. She made her debut with a prize-winning short story called French Optical at the age of 28. Mm. Um, this story that we're featuring today was first published in 2002, and she's gone on to publish uh, various other stories and novels, and her works have been translated into English, French, German, and Hebrew. Wow. Um, and I loved this story. It's oh. very particular. I'm not going to... Tell you anything about it until we get to the end, okay? Because I think there's there's a lovely sort of mysterious unraveling of what the story really is as mm, you go through it. That's interesting. Uh, the translator Heinz Insufenko sounds familiar. Uh, yes, we've uh, featured him a couple of times. Uh, he's very good as a translator. He was born in 1960, raised in Korea, Germany, and the U.S. Um, and he actually came here as a Fulbright Scholar after studying at the University of California. Um, and he teaches, he lectures, but he also translates. And he's oh. won a number of awards. His work has been published in The New Yorker. Nice. He's also a writer, an editor, a folklorist. And he's done about five translations. I think my favourite of his we featured before was The Nine Cloud Dream by Kim Manjung. Mm. That old sort of Buddhist text talking about the man who dreams of his life before he wakes again. Oh, I 
yes, I do recall. Um, okay, we're going to get to our first reading in a second. But before that, Mark yes. was on yesterday. Mark? What's up in Jeju? Mark? He's our new guest in Jeju. Mark? And, you know, I did Mark? the thing that I often do on this show, accidentally mentioning something that was coming later. Yeah. He praised me for it. He did praised, he? He was like, Pete, you're on the same wavelength. Like, we are jamming in the same band. And, oh. I, and I pointed out to him that you usually criticise me fiercely yeah. for that. And because they said don't fight, I've not even tried to guess what's coming up and spoil anything today. But I just want that to fester in your mind until next week. Oh, can I just can I just say, I don't think Mark ever specifically told you to read the script. No, no. Whereas I have, on numerous occasions over the past three and a half years, told you, Peter, in no uncertain terms... On air and off air, if you read the script beforehand, it might be a little bit easier when it came to not spoiling part three. Anyway, I believe we've got a reading coming. I like to be on the edge of my seat, Paul. Happy Chuseok, everybody. Happy Chuseok. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do we need any scene setting? Uh, it's the very start of the story. I don't think we need anything. I think it's going to give us an introduction as this woman tells us about her life and about her camera. Oh. The Polaroid camera I have is a Polaroid Spectra. It uses film about 1.5 times larger than an ordinary Polaroid, and it's more expensive. He bought it for my birthday a few years ago. I remember how happy I was when I unwrapped the present and saw it was the camera I had wanted so much. He took the first picture. I'm looking down a little, my head slightly bowed. The lipstick smudge on my wine glass is still plainly visible. I must have asked him, should I take one of you? He shook his head. With one pack of film you can take ten pictures, there were nine left. He didn't want me to, but I, I wish I had taken one of him to keep that day. Because we suddenly broke up shortly after that and now I can't love him and I can't hate him anymore. The camera... I brought it back home and got a shot of my family gathered around the table. I usually sleep lying straight, flat on my back. When my stomach bothers me, I roll over onto my left side and fall asleep facing the wall. But no matter what position I sleep in, one of my arms stretches out, like it's a habit, and ends up dangling down from the bed. Suddenly, I feel the sensation of someone gently holding my hand. I wake with a start. The room is dark. The warmth lingers on my palm. I try flexing the fingers of the hand that dangles from the bed. I feel like somebody sneaked in. He's lying on the floor or sitting at the foot of the bed, not even a tremor of movement. But I don't even consider leaping out of bed or quickly snapping on the light. For some reason, I don't think it would be right. It wasn't easy at first. The presence terrified me so much that I had to sleep with the light on for a long time. But now I'm quite accustomed to the presence. Slowly I force out my breath. I mean, I'm hoping it will figure out that I'm awake. After a little while I switch on the light. There's nobody there. Not a trace of anybody having been there. At first I wondered if it might be one of the spirits of this house. Or is it my dead grandmother or my aunt or my uncle, but now I know. He's been here. Welcome 
to Arirang Radio. We're back. Just about for part two of the show. You've Paul got a stinky bum. You've trying got a stinky to bum. destroy my poise and my concentration. We're making it a proper chewsock. We're having a big family Barney. We are indeedy. That was Carl <laughs> with Polaroid. Was, was song. it? Was it? Uh, I was going to compliment you on your timing of your reading, how it just faded out as the music was fading out, but I'm not going to now. Instead, I'm going to read a defamatory message from Jennifer Wood about you, Paul. Uh, okay. So I'm not sure if you will have time to read this Chusok message. Or should I be reading it then? No. Hey, Peter and Paul. Peter and Paul. Okay, you said it was about me. You didn't I mention it was about Peter. I am not able to tune in live today oh, sorry, due to band practice. Ah, band practice, very important. But I wanted to wish you both a happy and safe Chusok. Happy and safe Chusok to you too. I hope you are both able to have fun, relax, and more importantly, read. Can't wait for the next adventure next week. Take care of you both. Do you think you'll fit in some reading over the Chusok six days off? I think I will. The, my biggest problem is um, I've picked up my certain games console oh. after a year of not touching it. Oh, suddenly you just suddenly, I just decided I just I plugged it in and charged up the battery, and With now a new I'm game or no just the old game. Gone back to Zelda Breath of the Wild, and I'm. <gasps> Properly addicted. That's because of our talk with Aaron and Jen, I feel, right? I, I, when we mentioned yeah, it. But they did talk, it did get me wondering if I should play but it again. you've already completed it, right? No, I never completed it. I put, I put oh. 160-some hours into it, but oh, I never goodness. completed it. Because you just couldn't be bothered or it was difficult to get to the end? No, I didn't. I didn't want it to end. Oh. So I've started it again. Started from scratch. What? Yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah, but I will be doing some reading, Jennifer. Okay. And thank you. Wishing you a very, very happy Chusok. And uh, she also said, "P.S. You suck eggs." That was it. I, I didn't want to read that, but I thought, you know, for openness, I had to. I had to. Otherwise, I'd be cheating her. Am I she your grandmother? She didn't write that down. <laughs> Sophie says, it's like a camera I had. Memories can't die just like that. He knew he wasn't going to be with a writer and she's suffering from a bad breakup. Oh, it hurts so much. Oh, it's true. She's regretting things. Wow, she got all that from that reading. I'm not sure what Were I Were you got. listening? Yeah, but I'm not, I don't know how bad the breakup was. It didn't really go into detail of that. And Tigger is saying he refused a picture of himself and they broke up shortly <laughs> after, almost like he planned it. Hmm. No, no, we didn't plan it like okay. that. It's just it, one of those things. And ghosts of the imagination are powerful things. The number of times I freak myself out with my imagination is astounding. So is the number of times I just shrugged and said, it can eat me if that's my fate. Wow, that's a nice way to think of things. Uh, Hartley saying a perfect story maybe to kick off the scary season with Halloween coming up uh, next month. Is Ray, it a scary story? That's what I'm curious about. And Ray saying, was it a dream? So is it a dream? I think it's just, you know, maybe her arm's kind of going dead and it just Is feels, it a dead arm? Feels like someone's holding her hand. Surely this is not a ghost story, or is it? Or is it someone actually sneaking into a room and holding her hand? Surely it's not that. Well, if you'd read the script, you'd know. Well, I don't want to. I need to ask these questions as if I don't know the answers. Is it the ex-boyfriend? <laughs> well, we don't know. We know it's a him. Okay, because That's she about as that, much right? as we know. We do find out later on. So, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. About him or about the thing about holding her? Hand? What's happening in the bedroom? Oh, yeah. You're not unveiling that? Not yet. Okay. So, the narrator starts off with this and then she moves on to talking about her family. Her father's from Yosu, but she's only ever been there once. Hmm. And she tells us of how her father moved to Seoul after his mother, her, her grandmother, died. Mm. And how her aunt was always so good to them, to the family, always sent up fish by courier. Oh. 
And she also tells us in passing that her sailor husband used to beat her up. And every holiday, her aunt would cry on the phone and say she'd come and visit them, but she never did. Her aunt's husband would beat her yeah. up. Oh, no. And then we learn of how her aunt took her own life. <gasps> and how her father's younger brother had to be the one to go to the morgue instead of him because her father was dead drunk. That's terrible. And we learn of the chaos at the funeral. There were drunken siblings were yelling and crying down in Yosu. And all the while she was still in Seoul. She didn't go down. She was in bed, oh. holding her breath, lying in a bed. And she floated up from her body. Hmm? Yeah. What? She had an out-of-body experience. Wow. And that was the first night she ever felt the strange presence in the room. Wow. The night of her aunt's funeral. It is a bit supernatural then. Yeah, and she never talked to anyone about it. No one in the family. Nobody knows about this. And eventually it went away. Stopped happening. Mm. But then when her uncle died of liver cancer, the presence came back again. Oh. And she felt it. It felt like it was curled up on the floor at the foot of her bed. And so she clutched her Polaroid camera as she went to sleep. Mm. And then she swerves off on a different tangent. And she talks about the different photos that she took with that 10-pack of film. That first one? Yeah. Oh. And then returns to that night. How she woke up. Mm-hmm. She felt the presence in the room. <gasps> she took a picture. Oh. Turned on the light. And as the picture developed in front of <gasps> her eyes, she saw... <gasps> What the presence was. This is getting scary. I'm getting goosebumps. A blooming great big elephant. What? Yeah. An elephant. It was an elephant. An actual elephant. An elephant. <laughs> not a re- Obviously, not a real elephant, but it's just like this elephant in her room. On the photo? Yeah. What? And then she talks about the living arrangements in her house. She lives in the uh, Oktapang, the rooftop uh-huh. room. Above her family's apartment. And the oh. building was actually designed by her father. It used to be all for her, for oh, the wow. whole family. But then they fell on half t- hard times. Uh-huh. And the space is tiny, but she squeezes herself in there. And then she talks about a Sunday afternoon after she saw the elephant in her room. Mm. When she went to Seoul Grand Park Zoo. And she describes the African elephant she saw. At the zoo there. Okay. With all the children and the adults crowded round the fence trying to get a look at it. And how she felt some sort of connection to it. And in the next reading, we we have this moment between her and the elephant. Wow, this really is about elephants. All right, let's check it out. The elephant in the pen had been walking back and forth on the same path. Once in a while it seemed lost in thought and paused with its thick legs bent, gazing out at us. Then as if to say that it was nothing after all, it went clomping back again, retracing its steps. Each time the elephant flapped its ears, it sent a cold breeze through the front of my clothes. I took the Polaroid camera out of my shoulder bag, I put in a new pack of film. If there had been a Polaroid better than the Spectra, he probably would have bought it for me. But it wasn't easy to find film for it. I ordered it specially from the owner at the Photoshop. When I went to pick up the film, the owner told me that the Spectra wasn't widely distributed, so it would always be hard to get film for it. He said if I took it back to the place of purchase, they would exchange it for a regular Polaroid, like a refund. I ordered three packs of film at once. 
It was his last present to me. Suddenly, the elephant stopped walking and, with a thump, put its front feet up on the inner rail of our side of the pen. There was another pen two or three meters away. The gap in between was dug out like a ditch, and it looked as if the elephant could jump right across. I was tense. I couldn't be sure if the elephant would come flying up at me like a bird. I pressed the shutter just as it raised its long trunk. The print popped out. The elephant took its front feet down and turned its body around. Clever beast. It's unlikely it heard the sound of the shutter, but I'll say it did anyway. The zookeeper opened the steel gate and came out. He gave the elephant a bun and the elephant took it in its trunk and ate it. 4.40 p.m. The elephant followed the keeper in through the steel gate and disappeared. As soon as it was gone, all the people left the front of the pen at the same time. I went over to the next pen, to the Asian elephant, but the Asian elephant was already gone. I read, The Asian elephant has weak eyesight. Because its neck is short, it cannot look behind itself. Cannot look behind itself. Now I was sure the elephant that came to me that night was not Asian, but African. The elephant. It has weak eyes, but its hearing and sense of smell are excellent. It can run up to 50 kilometers per hour. The surface of its body is covered with thick bristles. The front teeth in its upper jaw grow into long tusks. The elephant. Largest land animal on the face of the earth. So she's now sure it's the African elephant. Well, she was at the time. So why, thought, are you, why are you humping? I'm not sure. Is this like a f- kind of figurative thing for something bigger? Does this moment like stick in her memory? Is this like a turning point or something? Sort of. Now she knows it's an elephant. Okay. And she's feeling more dissatisfied you know, when that happened. And she fights with her boyfriend. And that night, her mother comes up to her room and says, darling, we're in debt. We have too much debt and we might lose the house. Okay, so she's very stressed, it seems. Yeah. She would be. And that night, she's in a panic. She's terrified. Mm. And the language is unclear here. It's really interesting because she talks of how she's not terrified of losing the house, but of losing him. Mm. And it's unclear whether that him is the elephant (laughs) or her boyfriend, Mm. or her father. Oh. And back to the present, she tells us that her ex-boyfriend calls her from time to time, asking how she's doing, asking about the house, asking if the elephant has come back. Oh, he knew about that? Yeah. Oh. And then she recalls giving a guest lecture at a university last autumn, and how there was one old classmate who recognised her, Mm. gave her a business card, but she hesitated to get in touch and then months later she finally did just Mm. recently wanting to ask like does everyone remember me from all those years ago but then when she was walking down the street in Shinsadong and someone shouted out hey fatty joe she didn't stop she walked faster that's in the current day yeah she couldn't outpace them and it was her old bosses what and that seems to be what her nickname was oh is 
And she remembers her time when she worked for them and the frustration and the exhaustion and the sexual harassment. And they ask for a number, you know, we get together and she gives them a fake number. Good. And then she recalls the time when she was kidnapped by a strange woman when she was four years old. A woman who was childless and, you know, was obviously not quite right in the head. And the woman took her to a beauty parlour to get a perm to disguise her appearance. And the woman popped out for a moment. And the narrator, four years old, didn't know where she lived. The only thing she Uh could remember was the name of her family's church. Okay. And she screamed and cried and said the name. And they took her to the church and she was safe. Thank goodness. Yeah. Her family's home at that point has disappeared. The church remains. Mm. And she thinks more about her father and she thinks about her family and of her ex-boyfriend and how she lost him as she saved the house. And she waits for the elephant to come back. And then she thinks back further in time to a time when her aunt, who ended her own life, was Mm. still alive. That one time in her life, she went down to Yosu in the summer. And how... It was unfamiliar and how she was afraid of going into the ocean, how she didn't know how to swim. And she describes the family party with the eating and the drinking and the laughing and the arguing and the crying and the laughing again. And how when her father drinks, he talks about that time. When my father is drunk, he brings up that summer outing. And he talks about his younger days in Saudi Arabia, Iran and Kuwait. He used to write to us twice a week. My mother wrote him a letter every day and because of her badgering, we three sisters dutifully wrote him once a week. Letters that read, Daddy, we're all well and we're doing all right in school. We'll study hard and nothing more to say after that. My father's letters, which crossed the blowing sands of the desert, were the same. Listen to your mother and concentrate on your studies. Daddy is doing fine. Only the dates were different. The letters we exchanged like this for ten years are in a big earthenware storage jar on the rooftop. It's like burying winter kimchi. A layer of plastic spread inside the pot with the letters sealed up inside. My father did it. To this day, I have never once opened that pot, but I've already started to worry what I should do with those letters after my father passes away. Every day we're paying off the house, and every day we're losing the house. But fortunately, there hasn't been any real change so far. In the morning, my father brings in the paper from the front steps. My mother shines the shoes, and we three sisters leave for work. When I'm out of earshot, my father sadly complains that no one seems to notice the old cacti are blooming, And my mother gives us that look. She doesn't come up to my room. When I get a phone call, she puts the receiver outside my door and goes back downstairs. How much longer can my mother climb up and down those stairs with the pain in her joints? I go downstairs a lot, even when I'm reading a book or writing. I wish one of us would hurry up and get married and leave this house. If a room were free, We could move the stuff from the main bedroom there and we could put the sofa back in the living room. But I'm afraid I may be the last of the sisters remaining in this house until the very end. My father still worries that the room on the roof will collapse. His heart pounds. And I worry that his daughter's possessions and books have invaded his bedroom. I'm not the happiest person in the world, but I'm not the most miserable either. 
When I'm upset or my pride is injured, I sit at the table for an hour or two trimming anchovies. If we don't have any, then I'll shell peanuts. Often I get dressed up and go to an Italian restaurant to eat pasta and drink wine. My mother still tells me that people have to learn to be satisfied with less than enough. Now I know what that means. Though I must admit, it has taken a long time. I'm still living in this house. This is where my happiest and unhappiest moments are. My room on the roof is warm. It's winter now. I can hear the spoons being laid out on the table downstairs. Let's eat! My mother shouts up to my room. All right! I answer right away, and I thump, thump, thump down the stairs. Sometimes I wait for his call. He's the only one who understands my elephant story. He listens. I can pick up the phone and ramble on for an hour about my elephant. I don't take pictures anymore, but something still appears. Now and then. The house moves. It squirms. And I think to myself, ah, the elephant has come. Yeah, your timing was off by about five seconds. That was not... That's terrible. My timing was good. Was it not good? She's nodding her head. I think she's, yeah, shaking it. Um... Elephant. What is the elephant? Does that not get solved in this story? No, of course it doesn't. That's for us to solve by ourselves, Tigerish says, is it the actual elephant visiting from the zoo? No. <laughs> no. I've thought a lot about this over the last few days, mm. and I wonder, is it her guilt? About what? Anything. About her family, about okay. her aunt, about... The... Peter, did you not listen to the story well, I was I telling you? I, don't, I didn't feel directly she did anything terribly wrong, at least that we you found out You don't have well. to do anything terribly wrong to feel guilty, Peter. That's true. Is it about her past? Mm. Her family? Is it about her self-esteem? Her mm. body dysmorphia? Hey, Fatty Joe. Oh. There's a suggestion there that mm. that maybe at one point she was... The size of an elephant, yes. perhaps in her uh, own eyes. Ah, uh, that might be it, right? Yeah. And we we don't know exactly. Is it self-hatred, a lack of self-esteem? Is the elephant her comfort blanket, her guardian angel or mm. the angel of death? Oh, dear. It's up to us to choose. Um, what it does feel like to me is a really personal story. Mm. Um, and it's a story that deals with these issues of the past, of grief, of trauma, of abuse, of bullying. Mm. And I thought it was really appropriate just before the Chusok holiday starts because all around the country, families are packing their bags, they're going to head to their hometowns, yep. and there will be children and grandchildren who are going to be facing interrogation <laughs> from their older relatives. Yes. All these intrusive questions and unwanted and, quite frankly, unwarranted advice. Yes, I do see that side. I also see the other side, where a lot of relatives are lovingly doing that, right? Well, They're interested. I know, and so this feels like a story that is a reminder for us to be kinder. Mm. For Chusok, yes. or, or if you're in the United States, Thanksgiving, or mm. in Europe, Christmas, or whatever family gathering you have. Like, we look at other people's lives through rose-tinted spectacles. Mm. You go on the gram, for example, yeah. and it feels like everyone's having an amazing life. Apart from me. 
That's what it feels like. <laughs> well, yes, that's the point. But the truth is every single human being, no matter how put together they seem from the outside, mm. have their worries and anxieties and fears. And perhaps we all have this metaphorical elephant curled up at the foot of our bed. Yeah, lots of opinions from our listeners here. Nian saying, I wonder if the elephant is her. It's a metaphor for herself. Yeah, Ray perhaps, Kim yes. also thinking that as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good interpretation. I, again, I, I can't tell you whether it's right or wrong, but I think it's a valid one. Yeah, and Tigerish saying, perhaps it's her intrepidation. The elephant only seems to come when she's in need of comfort. Well, this is the other thing, and that's why I wonder, is it her guardian angel? Is it her mm, comfort blanket? It could be. And Sophie's saying uh, she was fat and I was fat as well. Maybe life has tormented her. Mm. I feel sorry for the writer. It seems like she's never felt real true happiness. But she said she's had happy times and bad times. She's not happy, but she's not terribly miserable. She's just kind of plodding along. She's like all of us. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of depressing, but also comforting at the same time, I guess. What's your one-line review for this, Paul? A timely reminder that every family member has an elephant in their room mm. that could maybe do with a little T-L-C. Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Paul, thank you so much for this story. Uh, so many of our listeners really enjoying this. Um, and Ted to say, maybe my relatives will ask me, when are you getting married? There's a good chance they will. Yep, in Korea, a lot of the time that happens. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks to everyone. Thanks as always to the LTIK for their help with uh, copyright permissions for this broadcast. Thank you to Jo Kyung-nan for her excellent story and to Heinz Insu Fenkel for his great translation. Next week, we're looking at a collection of stories, an anthology called The Age of Doubt. We'll look at the main story, the title story there, by Pak Kyung-ni. Um, it's translated by a number of people, but the story we'll, we'll be looking at mm. is translated by Anton Herr, and I can't speak anymore, so I'm going to say goodbye. Get out of here, Paul. Have a great Chuseok. In a, in a, like, scruffy hair, and I'm, like, patting you on the head, say, get out of here, in that kind of tone, okay? Not a, like, get out, I don't like you kind of way, okay? Just to make it clear. Happy Chuseok to everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. You can listen to Check It Out with Paul Matthews on Adidang Radio's Hashtag Daily K every Wednesday from 10am KST.